Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading, James 3, James 3, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you, there you will find disorder in every practice and evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. These are the words of God. I don't know about you, but it seems that I am forever running into people who seem like they have it as their mission to trash my day. There's difficult people everywhere. I heard about a Texan who went to New York for a football game, and he found himself seated right next to a college professor who had a Harvard degree. In an attempt to strike up a conversation, because, you know, we Texans are just naturally friendly people, the Texan said, where are you from? And the professor smugly replied, well, I'm from a place where we don't end a sentence with a preposition. The Texan said, okay, where are you from? Jerk. I don't know why people have to be like that, but they just are. It was mealtime during a flight on American Airlines. And the flight attendant stepped out of first class and into the very first row of coach, and she said, would you like dinner? And the gentleman said, well, what are my choices? She said, yes or no. <laughs> Boo. Lady was picking through the frozen turkeys. She's at the grocery store and couldn't find one big enough for her family, and so she asked the stock boy, do these turkeys get any bigger? And the stock boy replied, no, ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> Life is filled with difficult people. And what is easy is to respond to people who are evil to us with just more evil. And so today we're in our third week of a series of lessons where I'm encouraging us to choose, and it is a choice, to respond to evil with good. I'm asking you actually to join the Peace Corps. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, Jesus said these words, Blessed are those, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I've been called a lot of things in my life by a lot of different people. But there is one thing I can't wait to be called by my Father in heaven. And that's son. Or in some cases, daughter. Not everyone is going to hear those words, though. Not everybody is going to hear those words. In the same sermon, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, if I can get this to change, there we go. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Friend, just because you say Jesus, or just because you sing Jesus, or just because you've heard about Jesus, doesn't mean that you're going to live forever in his reign. And those are not easy words for me to say. Living in Jesus' kingdom is reserved for those who choose not only to welcome him into their heart, but choose to live like him if they're presented with that opportunity. And there's one almost impossible characteristic to miss when you look at the life of Christ, and that's this, that when he was attacked with evil, 
He countered that with good. And the logic behind that I think is fairly simple because if you, if you just simply respond to evil with more evil, all you're doing is multiplying the evil in our world. And that's terrible math. It really is. And so we're a people who believe that because Jesus is good, conquered Satan's evil, that like him, we can be a part of that same movement in our world. And so we've been a part of a, what I'm calling basic training for Peace Corps members the last couple of weeks. And we've been spending some time in, well, actually we're going to be spending four weeks in six verses. It's not a lot of verses per week, all right? So it's pretty intense, but I think it's pretty straightforward. What Jesus is asking us to do as peacemakers in basic training. Let's read them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, you live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I'll do the repaying, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If your enemy's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on his head. Very simply, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Pray with me, church. Father, oh, that's easy to read. But in the moment when we've been wronged, so often our flesh trumps our spirit that you know that you have invited to live inside us. And we're just going to confess that right up front. We hear the challenge, but we know how difficult it is to respond to that and live like your son lived in this world. Who, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was cursed, he didn't curse in return. When he was struck, he didn't strike back. We know that's a tall order, but we know that you're a great God. And so please, hear our prayer this morning. Would you help us? Would you fill us, not just us, We're also going to join our prayer with those at Western Baptist, Western Hills Baptist. Would you please also help them want to become a part of the Peace Corps? Whatever messages they're listening to this morning through the Word, whatever they're doing as far as their songs and prayers, we pray that you knit our hearts together, God, because we've seen our number decrease over the years. And it seems like just as many of us are participating in the evil that we see in the world and returning evil instead of good. Please help us to change that. Help us leave a legacy of that for our kids and grandkids. We ask us in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Strife is everywhere. (laughs) Fighting, rioting, shooting, bombing, cursing, killing. There's all kinds of ugly, not just on the news, but in our own town of Kerrville. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul is doing his best to give some practical guidance to how this gospel that they've received, this good news that Christ can change a a human life, change a heart, change a destiny. Here's how this looks practically when the church is living that out. And he gives us Romans 12. 
And in it, he's trying to say, through this power of the Spirit that's now at work in you, you can break the cycle of animosity in our world. In no way is Paul trying to say that we can avoid fusses. (laughs) If you're around human beings, you're going to be in the midst of some fusses eventually. But I do believe Paul is challenging us to be a people who refuse to disturb the peace as much as it possibly depends upon us. But rather be a part of a people who make peace, contribute to peace, help lay the foundation for peace. So much so that we're actually called peacemakers. To be more specific, today we're going to focus on how the Holy Spirit wants to wash your mouth out. Anybody ever have this happen to them? Kind of makes you cringe, doesn't it? I'm just kind of curious, if you don't mind fessing up in front of all your brothers and sisters, anybody here had their mouths washed out with soap like I have? Wow, it wasn't as exclusive a fraternity as I thought it was. You too, huh? Do you remember the first time that you had your mouth washed out? I do. It was the first time that I used the F-bomb. Now, for those of you who are young and are wondering what the F-bomb is, it's the word freak. For those of you who are older, you know what I'm talking about. And I say the first time shamedly. It wasn't the last time, but I remember the first time. A boy was playing basketball, and he threw his basketball, and it hit some kid in the face. And he went over to him to say, I'm sorry. And the kid, who was kind of a whiner anyways, responded with the F-bomb to him. He'd never heard the word, because I hadn't. But I remember when I, I said it the first time, I was back at home riding on that dirt track that's behind our house in Bridge City, Texas. And one of my buddies who lived next door to me cut me off in a turn, and I went out of that turn and over and just, just trashed it right there. And he came over, and he extended a hand, tried to pull the bike off of me, and I dropped the F-bomb on him because I'd never heard anything so rude in my life, and it, it just felt good to drop it on him. Well, the next sound I heard was my mother saying, James Daniel Sportsman, get in here. Now, I don't know how that works at your house, but when I hear that, it doesn't mean milk and cookies are waiting for me. And as I was making the trek from the dirt track into the house, through the back fence, up to the back porch, I knew, I knew what was waiting for me inside. But I was kind of, I was kind of thrown off guard when mom said, head to the bathroom. And I thought, all right, there's not a lot of swinging room in there. She said, bend over. She opened the medicine cabinet, got out my toothbrush, and took the ivory soap to this day, I hate ivory soap. The smell of it just, mm. And she lathered up that toothbrush, and buddy, she went to work on me. I think I spit bubbles for two days. Not a pleasant experience. Wow. And a lasting impression. She said after we were done, she said, if I ever hear you use that word again, you will eat half a bar for lunch. Do you hear me? And I knew she meant it. Brothers and sisters, I just want to say this as honestly as I can. Some of the stuff that is coming out of our mouths lately, we need to have our mouths washed out with soap. We do. There's some stuff coming out of your mouths, brothers, that's got to stop. Hear me. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, receiver of his grace, called to share that grace, 
part of how he wants you to do that is with your speech. And you've got to stop saying some of the stuff that's coming out of your mouth. Sisters, the same thing. You wanted equality when it comes to speech. It seems like you've got just as much a potty mouth as some of us guys. It's got to stop. It's got to stop if you're going to continue to believe and try to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Spirit wants to wash your mouth out. And He does. And listen to me. If He has washed your life out by the blood of the Christ, He has also washed your mouth out. He has. James says, out of the mouth comes praising and cursing. Unacceptable. Will not be tolerated. Brothers and sisters, this should not be, he says. Milton Jones, a couple of years ago, wrote that cursing doesn't always involve what we commonly call curse words. He had three things to say about that that really made an impact on me. I'm going to share them with you this morning. Cursing also is saying bad things about another person to God. Maybe you've asked God to damn them. What an awful thing for a Christian to say. Or maybe you just don't talk to God about them at all. Remember, Jesus said, pray for your enemies, not curse them. Here's the second thing Milton wrote. To say bad things about a person to somebody else. Wow, that one's a temptation, isn't it? It seems like someone's always saying something about somebody else that really they wouldn't say if they were present. And how tempting that is to jump on board with that sometimes, particularly if their difficult person happens to be your difficult person as well. Using curse words is also to say bad things to that person, whoever that difficult person happens to be for you. Now, I don't have to be creative with this one because it's, it's amazing how creative we human beings could be when it comes to cursing another individual. And I want you to know there's a reason. Because we have help. You ever wondered why when you get so angry, you get good at saying something bad? (laughs) It's because you have help, friend. If there's one thing in Ephesians, Paul warns is don't you dare give a foothold with your anger. Because when you do, gross things are going to come out of your mouth. Harmful things, hurtful things. So you settle that thing and you settle it quickly. Because we are so capable of gross, because when we do give that foothold, oh my goodness, can we get lucent and cogent pretty quick. My, the things that we can say when we are angry. Well, here's why. Because you have help. It's what you naturally do. You have help from the father of destruction. You have help from the father of lies. You have help from the one who came to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said over and over. And you know what, Satan? His modus operandi is usually more the mouth than it is the machine gun. Although we're seeing the rise of the machine gun in our country every single day. Here's the kicker. It feels really good to really rip another human being with your mouth. It does. You've done it. Been involved with your mate or with your child or with a coworker or maybe someone here at church, and I mean you're having a verbal tit to tat here, and you land a haymaker, and you know it when you've landed it. They kind of stagger. Man, that feels good. 
But if you're like me, I've never seen anything good come from that. Never. Cursing whatever your choice of words only increases evil. And here's what it does to those of us who are Christ followers. It decreases our testimony. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he's trying his best to establish his apostolic authority. And he's doing so by sharing how he handles being mistreated. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Now, there's your mission. We work hard with our hands. And when we're cursed, read with me those two words, church. What do we do? We bless. When we're cursed, one more time, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. Now, Paul is using that as his credentials for saying, here's why I should be listened to. There is no doubt that the original writers of Scripture had a better handle on the power of this mouth than I think we do. Especially the writer of Genesis. Wow. He just launches with his amazement at the power of God and the spoken word because God speaks and all of a sudden the, he- the heavens are filled with stars and a moon. It's just amazing. God speaks and fish fill the ocean. God speaks and the land becomes filled with animals. God speaks and awesome things happen. Beneficial things happen. Wondrous things happen. Refreshing, life-giving things happen. So much so that the wise men Solomon would say this, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Say, Jimmy, we have that kind of power in our speech. Listen to me. No, listen to God. Yes, you do. Life and death are in your tongue. And you know that. Probably more the death than the life. So I want to remind you a little bit more about the life today, all right? Mamie Adams was an old woman from a very small town. And part of her daily routine was to go down to the post office. Well, it was Christmas season. The line was long. and She was standing in it when someone said, Mamie, there's no need to stand in line. (laughs) Honey, there's a machine right over there. It'll sell you those stamps. Mamie said, I know. But that machine over there won't ask me about my arthritis. Sometimes we need to be asked about our arthritis, don't we? We need the grace of people that they give us when they speak to us in a kind and loving way. We need the life that a human tongue can unfold for us, every single one of us. And when someone comments on seeing us in the newspaper, it just kind of fills us with a little bit of life. Or when someone talks about a, a meal that they received when they, they, they got home from the hospital and they just, just want to say, it just meant so much. And you're glad. But man, it sure is good to hear it. When someone notices and tells us that our kids got something right, oh, hallelujah, let's have a party. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Whenever we're praised or appreciated or thanked, and sometimes just acknowledged, tell me if I'm wrong, it so matters. Solomon says this, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Now, sometimes reckless words pierce like a sword, but you know what? The tongue of the wise brings healing. Sister, you may have walked in here today thinking that your life doesn't matter much. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
Some of our lives don't matter much. You heard me. It's not God's intention. But they don't matter much. But I'm telling you the truth. That can change. Starting today. If you buy into the truth of this, that life and death are in your tongue. I'm telling you, you can matter for much. Every single one of us can leave this place today because of the truth of God's word first, but also because of the power of the Spirit in a second to be able to speak through us life-giving words to people. Man, we need to get this one, church, if we're truly going to be members of the Peace Corps. It's just that basic to being a follower of Christ. It has the power, listen to me, to grace our world like Jesus graced our world. And it has the power to do evil like Satan has done in our world. We say silly things like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. Isn't that a lie? They always hurt. They always hurt. Job knew the impacts of words and how they can crush you. In the midst of his unspeakable calamities, he's got three friends who come to see him. And at first that seems great. Hey, friends coming to see me in my, my terrible set of circumstances. <laughs> they just make it worse. Because their words are anything but friendly. They're condemning. They're harsh. And finally Job cries out, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Wow, they can crush, can't they? So many more bullying episodes happen with this than with these. Amen? You agree? So many more bullying episodes happen with a mouth instead of with fists. Because they can crush. How often have you won the comeback game and still lost? How often have you set out to complain about something that your husband either did do or didn't do and it went from complaining to crushing in a moment? How often have you parents set out to correct a child and all of a sudden your words hardly corrected anything, but they did crush? Teenagers, how often have you said something absolutely cruel to your mother or your father? People who brought you into this world are carrying you through it by feeding you and, and making sure that you've got a roof over your house and you've got a place to go to school and vehicles to ride in and you say the kind of stuff you say to them, shame on you. Shame on all of us who give in to what Satan wants to do through us in a moment by trashing another human being with our words. Shame on us. But just for a long, just for a minute, all right? Because spirit come alive in us, all right? To experience the grace of God's forgiveness and then to get on to the business of life that we can speak into other people's lives through our mouths. But our words can be so harming. Every time a relationship between a parent and a child blows apart, there's been explosive words, I can almost guarantee you. Every time there's a husband and a wife who cannot live another day with each other, I can guarantee you there's been explosive words. Fire-breathing words. That's why James says the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. <laughs> this whole little part of my body is a world 
of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. Unacceptable. My brothers, this should not be. And you know what? I'm thrilled it doesn't have to be. I know James paints a a rather dark picture, but it's a true picture of anybody's tongue that's not spirit-led. It's a true picture of anybody's tongue that is not spirit-led. When I run into a person and you just sense from who they are, maybe you know them pretty well, and I get a good spewing all over me, and I mean they let me have it, and I know they don't know Christ, I expect that. For heaven's sakes, their heart hasn't been just avalanched by God's grace. Their lives haven't been filled with this Holy Spirit. How can we expect more? How can we expect grace to come from that hard heart that doesn't know Christ? But what about a brother or sister? What about someone who claims to be a follower of Christ and you get that same level of spew? Unacceptable, James says. As a matter of fact, here's how harsh James is. If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he is fooling himself. He deceives himself. And here's a... And his religion is worthless. Worthless. Now, if that's true, that that this walk of mine can be destroyed by this talk of mine, I need to be careful about that talk. And that's what James is trying to say. The first part of basic training, as we looked at last week, is trying to understand our enemy, all right? But the second part of basic training that we're talking about this week is learning to communicate with our enemy. And it's not enough. It's a good starting place to just hold your tongue. No, no. God wants us to be able to go further than that. He doesn't want us to just refrain from cursing. He wants us to be involved in blessing. In filling our mouth with grace so that we can just pour out on other people. Especially those who are pouring awful ugly on us. And I know you think that's impossible. Wrong. With you it is, but not with the Holy Spirit inside. You see, the Spirit wants to give you spirit words to say instead of the curse words that your flesh wants to just pour out there. And He will. Three things that counter the three things about curse words and what they're like. They're just the opposite of what Milton says. Excuse me. When we speak grace words, we say good things about a person to God. We never damn them. Never use God's word in connection with damning somebody. Never. But instead, we use our words to bless them. And our example is Christ. And of all places where we get that from is on the cross. When the people that put him there, that put those nails in his hands and the, the spear in his side a little bit later, those people, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow, that's not what you expect to come out of someone's mouth who's in that situation. No, but... When you're full of grace, it can. Jesus is our example. We say good things for people who put us in bad places. 
Impossible? Now Stephen shows us it's not. Not long after Jesus is resurrected and sends the disciples into the world, the first sermon's preached, there's this young disciple by the name of Stephen, and he's face-to-face with some folks, and they're in a tit-to-tat, and I mean they're throwing words back and forth, and finally those go, they've had enough of this, and they pick up stones and start beating him to death. And instead of reviling them, he says, Father, please don't hold this against them. Augustine used to say that the church was blessed with the Apostle Paul because of Stephen's prayer. Because amazingly, Paul is there that day holding the coats of those who are stoning this man so that they could throw the rocks harder. And Paul is the one writing these words to us saying, listen, if you're going to be a part of the Peace Corps, I'm encouraging you, when you are cursed, bless in return, okay? To bless means to um, say good things about a person to God. It also means to say good things about a person to others. If I know you've been tempted this week, most likely you've been tempted in some area, either materialism or in this area where someone's trying to seduce you into belittling someone else, especially if you're under the age of 21 and you're in a school somewhere. Seems like the favorite pastime of people in school and don't have jobs yet and don't know what the real world is like yet is to waste their time ripping other people up with their words. If you're a Christian and you're a teen in this room, unacceptable. Parents say amen. Teens say amen. Ah, was a little weak. I thought it might be. Come on now. This is for everybody. Thank you. We say good things to other people about others. Man, you've done that before. Someone's, you know, kind of riding the roller coaster there and they're giving someone the, the nth degree or whatever and you interject just one positive thing, it's kind of like water on a fire, isn't it? Psst. It almost stops immediately. You can be that person because the Bible says you can be. With the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of Christ living inside you, you can be that person. A third thing. We say good things to that person. That's how we counter gross words with grace words. We say encouraging things. We say healing things. We say kind things. We say words of blessing to God, to others, but specifically, listen to me, to them. So far this morning, I've been saying... When you speak grace, it's something that somebody else needs to hear. Let me, let me also add to that. When you speak grace, it's something you need to hear yourself say. Here's what I mean by that. Because grace almost always impacts the speaker if it doesn't impact the hearer. If anybody teaches us that, it's also Job. Remember his three friends? The guys that came over to help eliminate some of his pain but only made it worse because of the things that they said? Toward the end of Job's book, God comes to Job and he blesses him beyond imagination with more than double than some of the stuff that he has lost. Everything that he's lost has been doubled in return. And I want to point you to something this morning. If you don't have this scripture circled, you need to. It's in Job chapter 42 and verse 10. Because I want you to see when that blessing began. After Job had prayed for his friends, <laughs> they weren't so much a friend. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again. 
and gave him twice as much as he had before. That verse gets my attention. When Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those friends of yours who maybe aren't such a friend in the moment because of what they're spewing all over you. And there's blessing waiting on the other side. Now I'm going to share with you this morning with the last illustration here and then we'll close. I've experienced that firsthand. But from the enemy standpoint. (laughs) Job was obviously one of God's favorite people. He says so in his book. So was Lanny Henniger. Lanny Henniger was the preacher at the um, University Avenue Church of Christ in Austin. He was, at least while I was preaching there, I knew he had been before and even after I left. I was on the University of Texas campus at first to study to be an accountant. Took cost accounting and realized that was not my calling of God. Did a college Bible class here at the University of Texas and had a chance to meet a guy by the name of Tony Ash and some others there that were on the faculty of the Institute for Christian Studies. All of that's right there on the campus of University of Texas. And I felt the call of God to start studying to be a preacher. Well, I had been in the Institute for all of maybe four months when I knew I, I, I knew good preaching when I heard it. I knew preaching that needed some help when I heard it. And so I went to Lanny Henniger, the preacher there at University Avenue, church of about 800. <laughs> I said, I, could we have a meeting? And this zealot, okay, this brash, <laughs> stubborn, egotistical zealot actually went into this man's office and said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to stay with you on Sunday, but I I'm keep looking back here at thousands of longhorns who need to know Christ, and I'm just thinking, okay, you're, you're one of the smoothest preachers I've ever heard. You're one of the most intellectual people I've ever heard in my life. And I didn't say this, but I thought it, but man, he's one of the most boring people I've ever heard in my life. And I just knew if we could get some passion and some energy in that sermon, that, that we could win those longhorns for Christ. And he listened to me for about 30 minutes, and he said, I promise you, Jim, God has me preaching exactly the way he wants me to preach, exactly to the people he wants me to preach to, and exactly the way he wants me to preach it. I talk to him about it regularly. We talked about some other things that day, but I believed him. But he listened to me so graciously. He prayed for me that day that God would help me become a preacher and would make an impact on the kingdom for him. And he backed that up a little bit later when a little town in Catula, Texas, after I graduated, wanted to hire their, a full-time minister. They didn't have the money to do that. They needed an extra grand a month. It was Lanny Henniger who went to the elders and said, that young man needs some money to help him get started preaching. And we were able to go to Catula, Texas, and I could start preaching there for the next seven years because of Lanny Henniger and how he responded to me in grace when I went with gross. And you know what? The next year, Lanny made a million dollars in the stock market. I'm joking. I don't know whether he did or not. I don't know how God poured out blessings upon him. I just know this, that God poured out blessings upon Lanny for what he did for me that day in his office. And in God's economy, it would be worth more than millions here in this world. You have his word. You return blessing when you've been cursed. 
He notices every time. And He will make sure that you are blessed for that. Some way, somehow, both in this world and in the one to come. I can't promise you that speaking peace is going to move you closer to your critic. I can't promise that. But it will move you closer to God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Wow, I want to hear those words. Now, of all the sermons that you could listen to this year that has instant practicality, this one's it. It really is. That literally, you could stand up right now where you are, and in the next five minutes, make your way around this auditorium using this tool to be a blessing into someone's life. You could do that. And I believe that so much, that's exactly what we're going to do. Instead of me inviting you to come up front and have us pray over you, I'm just going to invite you, instead of being a hearer of the word, to be a doer. And you can do that right here. And, and as we stand up in a few seconds, we're going to do this. You're going to get an opportunity for about three minutes to walk around and just with these words be a blessing. If you walk out that door, you will be shot. We have a police officer out there who's going to make sure of that. You've been wondering why he's been walking out there for this sermon. So for three minutes, and listen, if someone's coming to you, don't anticipate that they're thinking that you're an enemy, all right? (laughs) This is just general blessing because we're going to practice it here before we leave to go out there to do it. It's a lot easier in here because I don't think anybody's going to curse you for doing this, but they might do that out there. So for the next three minutes, I'm going to invite you to stand up and sing, and here's how we're going to end this. Wherever you're at, Ty's going to start singing this song, I Will Rise, all right? And you just, where you are, Sing that song, and the guy who's going to lead our closing prayer is going to come up right after Ty, say amen, and you're dismissed, all right? So let's practice what we've been preaching today, all right? Stand up, three minutes, let's go. Bless somebody with your words.